0: Aliens and flying this is all in a Hey, welcome to the 56th episode of Two Writers and Yang. My name is Jeff Perlman. I'm a former Sports Illustrated senior writer, former ESPN columnist, author of multiple New York Times bestsellers, and... Comics for the Atlantic. And the music you're listening to is Croissant's Master by the great MC White Owl. And this podcast is an ode to writing in all its forms, from journalism to songwriting to screenwriting to novels to romance to comics to whatever I'm thinking of. And today, in a rare live episode of the podcast, I sit down at the Coco Cafe in Nashville, Tennessee with Maurice Patton, my former Tennessean colleague and the current sports editor of the Daily Herald in Columbia, Tennessee. And Mo is a fascinating guy. He worked at the Tennessean for two and a half decades. He was let go a few years ago. Found himself unemployed at 50, he bounced back, but he's very willing and very eager to discuss the difficulties and the trials of a seasoned journalist suddenly left on the curb. And we talk about the death of prep coverage, we talk about the appeal of the small town daily, we talk about a pretty amazing journalism comeback. And it's all right now on Two Writers Singing Yang. All right, so Mo, first of all, um, I appreciate you doing this. I really oh do. man,
1: I'm glad to do it. I'm glad to see you. Yeah. It's, it's been a while. Obviously, we've... Um, communicated sure. via social media and that kind of thing but it's good to see
0: yeah. so, so we literally I was at the Tennessee and I left in 1996 we sat when I, when we were in the office you know I don't remember it was relatively close and yeah. it was and I wonder I, so to start with this like I took a walk down Broadway yesterday I'm here for the apsc and I took a long walk and I walked a past it's oh, walk. like a seven mile walk in the 90s <laughs> and I walked past the Tennesseean building and the lot across the street was totally empty the building does not look good you know it's like kind of used to be this clean sparkling mm-hmm. kind of building and now it just looks dumpy and sad and they have billboards that are kind of not and i wonder as a guy who worked for 24 years
1: 24 and a half
0: 24 that's fair <laughs> how does it make you feel you know
1: one i don't drive by it a whole lot anymore because I, I live in franklin which is south of here and i work in columbia which is even further south of here and you know, there for a while. Actually, when I when I was coming into town after my unfortunate demise in um, <laughs> September of twenty fourteen, right. I, I actually for a while I went out of my way to avoid that area just because I didn't. You know, it was it was tough. It was tough. But um, you know, I still have friends that work there. We we still have friends yeah. that work there. Um, I feel. For some of those people that are still there, that are still trying to put out a good product, that are still trying to be professionals and dealing with everything that they have to deal with as far as that goes. Because when you, when you characterize, you know, the, the appearance of the building and that kind of thing, it's almost a, it's like a lack of concern for the appearance, which you know, kind of kind of makes you wonder, at least, what else is there a lack of concern for? And when you read the paper, and, and I've not read it with any regularity for quite some time, though I did read it for a while after I left, um, but, you know, you see on social media, you see some of the mistakes that get made and, and different things like that, and a lot of that is due to just a reduction in workforce. Yeah. Uh, and, you know I was having a conversation last night with with another journalist and you know as much as we hate editors
0: we need editors. yeah you notice when they're not there <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: and and so you know just different things like that I I think that the appearance of the bill apparently they're moving yeah. somewhere at some point here, I think soon actually. pretty soon yeah. yeah but um I think it's just kind of a characteristic of a bigger situation
0: really. right i i just you know when i think back to my time there so i got there in 94 i was there in 96 so it was there two and a half years and just the sports department as an example it was this bustling place we probably had 20 people in there 15 to 20 yeah. and it was a, a you know you had david climber great columnist and guys like larry woody had been there forever You had younger writers like us and you had like you know you had I remember when Neil Scarborough came in to be a sports mm-hmm. editor and he was kind of this big city sports editor who came in and it was like, you know, it was just so vibrant. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and do, you, do you look back fondly at the heydays? Like, do you think, do, do, you, do you view that as a golden time in a career or are we overglowing it a little?
1: I don't think we're overglowing it. I think that, and unfortunately, you left in 96, which was right before we got the Titans and the Predators right. in this market. And it was kind of the golden years, but also it was kind of some foreboding because obviously there were some changes that had to be made in how we approached some things. And you know, some of that was um I think some of it was real, I think some of it was excuses because whenever city colleges, Lipscomb, Belmont, Tennessee State, Fisk, whenever those didn't get covered, whenever high school coverage dropped off. It was because, well, we've got the Titans and the Predators. Now. Oh, interesting. Well, and, and, you know, there are people who, you know, for 40 years, read the Tennessean to read about Lipscomb and Belmont and Fisk and TSU and high schools, right. and and all of a sudden, you're you're basically kicking those people in the teeth when you say, well, we're not going to cover what you've read us for for years because we're going to cover the Titans and the Predators. And I just never, I, I, I felt like, I felt like both could have been done
0: now. Do anything newspapers I, abandon their base a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah, Sports in particular.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I just think, I think it's easier to abandon your base. It's, it's easier to say no than to figure out how to say yes. Right. And, and I think that's probably, that's probably societal as well. But I think in sports, you see it, in sports sections of newspapers, you see it time and time and time and time and time again. Everybody wants to cover the shiny new toy. Right. And, you know, the the franchises that, like you said, you built your base off of are the ones that suffer, you know, the Nashville sounds. Um, I was having a conversation, I think, the Tennessean has covered maybe one Nashville sounds game this season that's crazy the other uh, season opener and and what they'll tell you is and we started to hear this you know even as far back as the late 90s early 2000s people don't care about fill in the blank right. you know and people don't care about the sounds people don't care about TSU people and, and and my thought was always if we write about it and if we show them why they should care they'll care and even if they don't you know at least we're making the effort but for us especially the people that were making those comments were people that moved in here from athens georgia or right you know or from wherever else you know and at the time you know i'm a native Mike Oregon's a native, Mike Jones was a native, David Clymer was a native, Larry Woody was a native, Jimmy Davies a native. You know, you've got people who know (laughs) what people in Nashville and Middle Tennessee do care about. And so to have somebody come in from out of state and tell you people don't care about when they're coming to the office and going home and coming to the office and going home and maybe going to Kroger's every now and then was a little... Tough to listen
0: to. I bet. Yeah. I actually, it's really interesting because I um, just as an example, I was in Cheyenne, Wyoming, two weeks ago covering barefisted boxing. Right. I saw
1: something about it. It was great, and I, I <laughs> great,
0: and I picked up the local paper, and the first thing I wanted to read was local sports in high school because there's something endearing about it, and there's something, there's just something comfortable about reading about the high thing, school sports.
1: The thing about it, and and I don't know why people don't get it because it strikes me as painfully simple. You can read about the Tennessee Titans almost anywhere.
0: You can get on ESPN. Well, almost anywhere. Anywhere. Well,
1: I'm I'm trying yeah. I'm, I'm I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. You know, ESPN.com, CBS Sports, Twitter, USA, Facebook, AJ. right. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can get that. And and I get that because you are the hometown paper and that's your hometown team. You want to cover them. I get that. Right. But if somebody wants to know about Endsworth or Bruntwood Academy or Hillsborough High School, they can't get that anywhere else right and you know to be able to take ownership of something in a way that you know no, nobody else can give to you is just a boat that's being missed i
0: think i agree with you i actually um i was at um i drove out to tennessee state yesterday to get it so i lived at tennessee state when i was an intern here we had no air conditioning they put us in the athletic dorm it was awesome it was great. No air conditioning, not great. And <laughs> But I have these very fond memories of Tennessee State. And I went out yesterday to Tennessee State to buy a T-shirt at the bookstore. And I saw uh, a bunch of football players practicing in 100 and whatever degree heat, right, mm-hmm. at noon. And I was thinking, that in and of itself is a great story that won't be written about because we have to write about NFL free agency. Even though, like you said, we can get that everywhere else, anywhere else you look. I just – I hate – I, just, I was always brought up like everything is local, like local, local, local. Serve your readership. Mm-hmm. And it kills me. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it kills you too. It um, does. <laughs> well, I want to ask you, because I, I used to think of you in this way, in, a, in, a good, in an interesting way. Like when you were let go by the Tennessee in 2014, I always thought, I've always had you in my head, because I always thought like you're a guy who's worked at the paper for 24 years. You are in your 50s, I guess 50s. 54. 54 at the time? No, now, no, no. No, okay. Now, All right, so you were, 50, you know, yeah. Not
1: just turned 50, yeah.
0: You have kids, like you probably, I don't, don't know your salary, but you, you made a salary that you, you know, like you're not going to go to another big newspaper because they're not hiring. They're certainly not covering high school anymore. And I always think it has to be a freaking hell of a pickle to be in at that moment. And mm-hmm. journalists are going through that all over the country. Now right. men and women who have been at their sports sections for 22 years, then there was suddenly they're laid off. What do you do? <laughs>
1: You know, I, I did it and I still don't know what I did. I did a lot of freelancing. Um, I was fortunate enough that the local paper in Franklin would uh, was kind of happy to have me around, especially during football season and that kind of thing. So I did some Friday night football, did some features for them, that kind of thing. I um, did some freelancing for a couple of other um, websites and that kind of thing and just kind of um, scrambled there for a while. Right.
0: Uh, Were you nervous?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't something that I was going to, you know, you you try not to show it any more than you absolutely have to. But but yeah, you're nervous. I mean, um, I had started working when I was, you know, 15. I had, you know, continuously held a job in some way, shape or form for, 35 years
0: you went to middle tennessee right? i did
1: I, I um graduated from franklin high school went to lambeth college out in jackson for a year couldn't afford to go back um transferred to middle
0: lived at uh, home uh, no, no i lived in
1: murfreesboro yeah. and uh no, I, I i am a i am a firm believer in living on campus yeah of uh, course you know for at least some period of time right I mean, you just you there's an element of the college experience that you don't get commuting mm-hmm. But, um, but I mean, went to middle, graduated from middle, started working at a small paper down in Franklin, went to the Tennesseean in ninety. But I'm, I'm saying all that to say that again, I, I had been continuously employed for thirty five years. I had never been fired. If I quit, I was quitting to go somewhere else. Right. Um. And so, for your first encounter with a dismissal. To be at that age, (laughs) it's it's a little jarring, I guess, is is a good way to put it.
0: And you saw it coming, didn't see it coming, right?
1: You know, I think we had had so many cuts and layoffs and, and restructures and that kind of thing that if you didn't see it coming or if you felt like you were above it, then you were putting yourself, to me, in a precarious situation i think you had to know you had to feel like it was a possibility yeah you know and um particularly that that particular situation where they made everybody reapply for their jobs and then said you know okay some of y'all come talk to us at 10 o'clock some of y'all come talk to us at four o'clock
0: And you're in the office this day. Yeah. And they're telling people come in at 10, come in at four.
1: Yeah. Well, they assigned us times to come and talk to HR and whatever. And you either came at like 10 or at, you know, three or four. And, you know, you feel like my logic was, they're not going to make anybody work all day and then tell them at four o'clock, you're no longer with us. So when I got at 10 o'clock, I pretty well knew at that point that I was done, but you know, It is what it is and that's the decision that they made and you you go on.
0: Right. Before we continue with Two Riders Slinging Gang, a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, this is Jeff Perlman and I'm here with mm, no one, but I want to tell you about 503 Sports and why they're my sponsor. So 503 Sports is run by one guy. He's a young entrepreneur with a love of sports. And I don't actually take any money for this ad space, just gear. So thanks to 503 Sports, my son Emmett has an Ed Luther Jacksonville Bulls jersey, a Greg Fields LA Express jersey, and a Doug Williams Oklahoma Outlaws jersey. My daughter has a bunch of USFL sweatshirts and t-shirts. And truly, it's great stuff. It's stitched, it's handcrafted, it's just beautiful and high quality. And I would not lie about this. I have no reason to try to sell somebody's product if it's crap. I'm only getting gear for these ads. But the merchandise at 503 Sports is just really beautiful. It's reasonably priced, handcrafted is made with care so be like me and my family and go to 503-sports.com and type in coupon code yang18 to get 10% off your first purchase right before we get to your current stats, there, there are two stories i want to talk about real quick number one i have in front of me <laughs> i will see what you have <laughs> yeah in front of you. 2003 uh maurice Patton byline gun incident caused tsu code suspension this is nolan richard i'll just read the lead real quick a Christmas night post-practice altercation between Tennessee State University men's basketball coach Nolan Richardson III and assistant Hosea Lewis escalated at the point of Richardson retrieving a gun from his car and returning to the, to the Gentry Center with it, Richardson told TSU police. How did you even find out about that story, and how did it unfold? You know,
1: I honestly do not remember. I think maybe our cops reporter came across a report in... And- Said, "Hey, you know, this has gone on, and we just kind of took it from there." Given the people involved with it, um, but oh, but you got to remember though, the gun wasn't loaded, right. as Richardson said <laughs> later on in the story. Um,
0: you got him by phone, like you actually? No, no, that
1: was um, no. I never.
0: Oh, that was a yeah, yeah police report or whatever.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, craziest thing you've ever covered? Yes,
1: yes, without question. I mean, you never, you never think when you're covering high school, college, pro, that you're going to have to cover a story on a coach bringing a firearm into a practice facility. That's amazing. I mean, who does
0: that? Nolan uh, Richards uh, in mean, the third. And, 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 and who else? <laughs> yeah, right. <All> right yeah.
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's got to be the craziest thing that I've dealt
0: with. Yeah. Did you like covering Tennessee State?
1: Bits and pieces of it. I mean, I enjoyed – a lot of the people over there you know we go back to building your base and that kind of thing a lot of this this town is i mean obviously it's tsu it's john merritt it's it's jefferson street joe Gillum, it's joe 747 adams it's it's brian ransom i mean
0: Carlos Rogers played for yeah. right. And he and, did, yeah. he did.
1: But they were football first, yeah, particularly right. when I was growing up. I mean, Big John Merritt had a Sunday TV show. Hope Hines hosted it. You know, I mean, for people who don't
0: know, Tennessee State historically black college, um, yeah, used to play Alcorns and Jackson. I mean, still mm-hmm. I guess still does, but they
1: still play. Um, they play Jackson State in the Southern Heritage Classic down in Memphis, and they usually play Florida and Em um, in the um, in the Atlanta Football Classic, which was at Georgia Dome. I I assume they're going to play it at Mercedes-Benz. I'm not sure. But, um, yes, TSU is an HBCU, um, historically one of the stronger football programs in that era, Um, currently a member of the Ohio Valley Conference, one of a handful of HBCUs playing in PWCs, predominantly white conferences. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I I think that there was value in – having a beat writer on the TSU beat at that
0: time. So they don't cover it anymore, Tennessee? Um, they won't send someone to homecoming at Tennessee State.
1: Yeah, I mean, Mike Organ, who does everything right. at the Tennessean, um, he covers TSU. Um, I think they cover maybe selected games. Right. Um, he'll go to a practice from time to time, that kind of thing. And, again, I can't speak – you know, with a whole lot of knowledge on it, because, again, I don't read the paper um, as much as I used to. Right. But it's my understanding that I mean, he's got so much on his plate that he can't cover any one thing.
0: Right. Actually, I, I got to say, like, because people wouldn't know maybe outside of the region. So Mike Oregon was there when I got there. And at the time, he was kind of like, mm-hmm. a, now he's probably the longest tenure guy at that newspaper anything if not
1: at the newspaper that could be because mary hans is there but she came from the banner after the banner closed in the um been 90s mike has been there since like 87 88
0: i think and and he's one of the nicest human beings on the planet and he covers absolutely everything i've probably never heard him complain you know how's it going at the paper no it's okay you know Mm -hmm. blah blah blah. just like probably deserves to be making 17 times more than what he makes for the amount of work he puts in oh
1: absolutely and and i mean at this point, I would say that Mike Organ is probably the face of the Tennesseean Sports Department. Just in terms of, again, a native who has been here forever, who has been associated with nearly every beat that they've got down there, right. and and he's out and he's about. He goes and speaks to civic clubs and that kind of thing. I, I'd say he's probably the face of you know Joe Rex Road and 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 the Titans and the Predator Beat Riders Be damned, Mike Organ is to me the face of the Tennessee sports bar. I
0: know, and you know what makes me sad about just sort of Gannett and the culture of newspaper is they'll go over some sheet and they'll see that he's only giving X percent of blah, blah, blah readership because Titans, blah, blah, blah. They won't care about the local, you know, what he brings and that people look for his name. I mean, on the one hand, I don't know if newspapers can save themselves. I mean, in a way, like... Are we just are we just finding reasons me I guess me mean, I, am I finding reasons to be mad at an industry that just can't work?
1: I you know <clears throat> I don't think you're the first person to have that question or some question like that. But you know, Warren Buffett owns the Omaha paper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if if Warren Buffett sees value in it that how often is that guy wrong when it comes to money.
0: And also Washington Post and New York Times both working out really well.
1: So, you know, I yeah. think I I think again, I think there's more it's easier to find no's and to find reasons why something won't work than to find ways to make something work. Right. And and that's I, you know, bluntly I just think the industry has gotten really lazy in terms of how do we make it work, and it's just kind of resigned itself to, it can't work.
0: Right. I also think a huge thing we did wrong was um, newspapers in general early on was not having a paywall. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you're giving. Why would you give? Away, what would you possibly think is good is wise about giving away the product that costs money generally?
1: Uh, and and I think I think that's absolutely it. And because, and and what happened was people that didn't go behind paywalls initially tried to go behind paywalls right. eventually, and that was even worse. Right. I think if you had gone behind the paywall from the get, people eventually get used to it and resign themselves to, well, if I'm going to get it, I'm going to have to pay for it. Right. But when you didn't and then you tried to, it's like, whoa, you've been giving it to me free all this time, and now you're going to try to charge me for it? Yeah, I don't really think so. I have
0: people yeah. literally say to me, I'm not paying for the athletic. Like, why? Why would I pay for content? And you're like, well, it's kind of good, and it costs money to blah blah. Well, I'm not. People have gotten used to the idea of not paying for something. It's very hard to put that back in the bottle. And and the
1: thing is, you know, in newspapers, in the print edition, you pay for you pay for a subscription, or you pay for that issue, right? You know, what's the difference?
0: Yeah, I agree. So I'm with you on that. So so now you are the uh, sports editor of the Columbia Daily Herald. Mm -hmm. You got the job. How long ago?
1: I've been there. I got the job. in our early October of 2016, so uh, I've how been that there happened for about a year and a half.
0: <laughs> it was right, I, I could have asked that two ways. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> 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 right. No, yeah. um, you. I was thinking Mike Orkin was a shoo-in for that. Time. Yeah, no.
1: Um, <laughs> it helps when you have people looking out for you. Yeah, you know, especially in this, particularly in this business. okay. Yeah. I was at. Um, Spring Fling, which is Tennessee's Spring Sports High School State Championships. It's um, baseball, softball, boys and girls tennis, boys and girls track and field, and boys soccer. Um, spring Hill, which is in Murray County, um, was playing in the um, Class AA State Championship for baseball. Marion Wilvoit, who was the sports editor at the Daily Herald, Forever, um, fifty-four years. Yeah. Um. And he was there covering Spring Hill. The editor of the paper, James Bennett, was there with him. And I, you know, tripped up into the into the press box and was hanging out with Marion. And Marion turns to James and says, "When I retire, this is who you need." to
0: hire. Wow! Really?
1: Point blank, just up out of nowhere. I, it wasn't prompted it wasn't expected, you know, but that's, and it just kind of went from there. I mean, again, I was, I was unemployed at the time. I was working with my high school sports website, but that, that was not working out as well as I needed it to financially. But, um, I was still, you know, running around grabbing freelance and that kind of thing. But, um, that was in May of 16. We, um, we talked in like August of 16. They had a buyout. Gatehouse came through with a buyout in like um, late August, early September. Marion took it in October 3rd on Sports Editor.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Has it been where you want it to be?
1: Um, I don't know that anything is 100% what you want it to be. Right. Um, it has. It's been good in a lot of ways. One, it's been a full-time job again, but um, it's it's exposed me a little bit more intensely to an an area a readership that I had not necessarily been exposed to before. Because I mean, the and circulated in Murray County, but um, You know, I hadn't had the chance to interact with a lot of those people on a regular basis just because it's an hour, hour and 15 minutes away. So um, it's been different. Uh, I think it's been good. I, I think I've been received relatively fairly well. The tough thing is when you're coming in behind a guy who's done something for
0: 54 years. Right.
1: It, it there there's a bit of a transition.
0: Right, so people get used to. Wait, his name is Marion Wilhoit, yeah, and he mm-hmm. was the sports editor for a gazillion years. Mm-hmm. Are, so, is there a rea- Is it does there tend to be a reaction of like, who the hell is this guy?
1: Um, I don't know that that's necessarily it, because I think there's there's a population that knows that I was at the Tennessean, knows that I was at the Tennessean for quite some time. So it's not necessarily that. It's just that. What Marion did was so intensely community oriented,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and sometimes when you think a little more big picture, it doesn't necessarily go over so well.
0: It'd be amazingly ironic and awesome if you took all the writers you have, or and and you all cover the Titans, and you just give up on local coverage. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're gonna all cover the Titans. Yeah, there we go. So, what is it? How many how many writers are there?
1: <laughs> two.
0: You in, in sports? Yeah, yeah, two. That's and, me and one other guy. And do you go into the office every day? Yeah. And how many hours a week do you, would you say you put on the job?
1: Um, forty because we can't make more than forty uh, because we make overtime. Right. No, right. right. Wink, wink. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no, right. it's um, you know, to do what you do well, uh, it, you can't do it in forty hours. Right. I don't think you can do that in
0: in any journalistic definitely not. endeavor. Right. So right, but nobody wants to hear that. Right. <laughs> so how many? Like, um, is it? Is what you're doing now similar to being a high covering high schools for the Tennessee in 1998? You know, is it how much? Do you have to know the different high schools? Do you get to know the coaches? Do you like how you know what are you doing?
1: I've got every high school coach's number in my phone.
0: How many coaches? How many high schools are there?
1: There are there are five that play football in the county. Uh-huh. Uh, there are another four that don't play football but play right? some combination of everything, everything else. Right. So we're dealing with eight or nine schools in Murray County and then we've got some schools on the fringe that we deal with as well. Right. But, but
0: we most intensely deal with the the county schools. So you need to know the coaches. Do you go and meet the coaches? Like, do you always try to sort of, hey, I'm blah, blah, blah. And this is like, how do you establish? Your you service?
1: know, I, I didn't... I, I kind of let it happen organically, I guess, as I was covering their games, that kind of thing. Or I, if I needed to do a feature on a team, I'd go to their practice, that kind of thing. I tried not to make my first contact on the phone. I tried to make it face-to-face to the to, to the extent possible. Right. And, and you know, but most everybody down
0: there reads the paper. Thank goodness. So they had a pretty good idea that there was a new guy in town. Did I ever tell you the story of my last assignment at the Tennessean? <clears throat> I've ever told you this. True story. This is the best thing ever. Second to last assignment, I covered, I think it was Lipscomb and Goodpasture playing football. Would those two schools play football? Mm -hmm. And I wrote a line, and I was writing, Larry Taft was a sports editor. Or no, Larry Taft was a preps Mm -hmm. editor. Right. And I wrote a line in a story about the quarterback for Lipscomb. And I said, what, David Smith, whatever. David Kirkow, that was his name. He had an up and down game. His passes were either way too up or way too down. Right? Okay. You know, New York. Hey, you know, so which got me in trouble a lot. Those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So I write that line and the letters come pouring in and the cause and blah, blah, blah. And Larry Taft gave me one of the great, great all time lessons in the history of my career. Mm -hmm. My last assignment, he sent me to cover the good pastor. Good. Not good. Lipscomb was playing football next week Mm -hmm. in the playoffs. He said, you're covering that game quarterback. Yeah. He Mm -hmm. said, you need to show your face. You need to be there. You need to be accountable. I was some punk little 24 year old and blah, blah, blah. And he sends me out there. And fourth quarter, I go down to the sidelines and I'm surrounded a bunch of the players and the quarterback. And the quarterback comes up to me and says, don't you ever come around here again? And what has always bothered me about that, Mo, is that was my last assignment, and I left for Sports <laughs> Illustrated, so that guy's still like, I got rid of that guy. Here we go, <laughs> took care
1: of that. <laughs> <laughs> but that there is a great lesson in yeah, that, and and it's know, something that I'm not sure how many young journalists get. Yeah. Don't be a hit-and-run guy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if if you're going to write something negative about some, somebody in particular, be accessible, right I, I ran into a situation um, here in the past few weeks and <laughs> the, <laughs> the shame of it was it wasn't even my article but um, I had assigned someone to cover a high school baseball game in our area it was a um, it was a sectional game which meant it was the game that the winner goes on to the state tournament. Um, it was pitting a region champion and a region runner-up from from two different regions. Okay. Um, over the course of the postseason for this particular team, a senior who had contributed pretty heavily was suddenly not playing in the middle of the postseason. And a freshman had taken his place and was being fairly productive. Okay. Um, the freshman had a particularly good game in this sectional game and I edited into someone else's story that the freshman was playing in place of senior blah 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 who was suspended right who was suspended um, created quite the stir interesting yeah and and so my guy got a bunch of emails a bunch of phone calls I responded to every email he got. I responded to every phone call he got. And I said, look, first of all, he didn't write this. He wrote the story. I added that piece of information. So if you want to be mad at somebody, don't be mad at him. Be mad at me. Right. Secondly, I added, the, added that in there because there needed to be some type of an explanation as to why this kid suddenly wasn't playing why this kid suddenly was playing. Nobody takes a senior out in the middle of the postseason and puts a freshman in, right. you know, just on a wimp. right? And it needed to be explained, you know? Journalism 101, of to me. Yeah, of course. So, but that's, again, sometimes, you know, feelings get in the way of, well, he's been punished enough. Why did you have to write that? He? Why did you have to embarrass him like that? And, and my thing is, we don't mind writing about kids, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids, when they rush for 200 yards or score 40 points. But when they screw up, we're not going to hold them accountable. Somebody made the point to me that, you know, if that was your kid, you wouldn't want them. And my kid dealt with that, you know, and I would never not want my kid to be accountable to his team to his coaches right. and to whoever to whoever else there is that's going to hold him accountable
0: or is there a line you, with high school or, I mean perfect example His mm-hmm. passes were way too up or way too down is that too harsh I would not
1: necessarily have written that
0: no. but, but is it true would you have taken it out as an editor
1: I don't know that I would have taken it out from the standpoint that I don't want to I don't I don't want to alter somebody's voice mm-hmm.
0: necessarily. That's your voice. You're New York. That's your thing. I mean, because um, I've always wondered, was that? I actually thought about this a lot. It doesn't strike me as that harsh, but this is a much more genteel world. I feel like than what I was brought up in. Hollywood.
1: this is a much more genteel world, and high schools are a much more genteel world. Right. You know. If this had been a college so, quarterback, I don't think it would have so. even been a second. No, thought. of course not. So you know, so that that's
0: kind of where that was, I think. But yeah, it's a shame the dude gets to feel like he ran you out. I <laughs> want to. Say, I was reading because you did a quiz a few years ago for my website, mm-hmm. and there's one part that I I just love because it made me laugh. Which is you told me you were interviewing a coach on the phone. And he clearly didn't know you were African-American. And he said, I need to do something with my end, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And you made sure to go cover his next game, correct? Absolutely. Which is the best.
1: Yeah, Come yeah. On. I mean, this was leading up to a playoff game. I had done a preview on um, this team. It was an out-of-area team playing one of our local teams. And, um, and so I called him up and he said, yeah, we'll be fine if we can just keep our – like under control that's amazing and yeah I, it, and it was the 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 shock value when I shook his hand and introduced myself was was one of those priceless moments just,
0: is there not a part of you that wants to punch a guy in the face
1: oh absolutely
0: yeah but there's a bigger part of me that considers himself a professional
1: yeah you know and and you know to me that that brief interaction and him knowing that i know who you are yeah you know i know what you're about even if everybody else thinks you're this wonderful individual i know you know and i looked in
0: his eyes and and, you know i i know who you are it's actually a better lesson if you punched him he'd come up with some racist blah 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 out of control of course Uh, right yeah
1: Yeah. i mean When they go low, we go high. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. But, you know, just just the satisfaction of knowing I know what you said. I know how you feel. I know who you are. And, and you know, you screwed up. Right. You know, and you exposed yourself. So, you know. Right. And so now, you know, whenever should his name come up, you know, and here's why. Right. So,
0: yeah, that's awesome. I love that um there's a story here all right so this ran june 13th a couple of days ago Versatile webster makes his college call and it's uh Takiya webster <laughs> hey, this is you used... pronounced it right I, 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 okay i've been around Takaya nice. webster one of the lynch lint, linchpins in columbia central district's eight triple regional season championship campaign a regular season championship campaign blah, blah, blah campaign signed recently with state fair community college a school, I got to say, I feel like I know 90% of colleges in America at this point. I did not know know there was a State Fair Community College. And do you care? Like, do you care? When you write these stories, Uh are you interested in where, are you like, oh, that's interesting. Cut. Jakia Webster is going to State Fair College. Do you care? Or does it Doesn't matter. I
1: I care to a degree because you know when you deal with these kids and you see that they've got the ability and the potential to go on and be special, you care about what happens to them. Um, And that's the one thing that working in a small market like that allows you to do. I mean, I I have—I'll be out at lunch somewhere, and some kid will walk up to me and and. We'll talk for five or ten minutes, that kind of thing, and and they know me, and I know most of them, that kind of thing, and so you do, you do care, and and this is a kid; he's 6'7", 175. I think he walks past the weight room, but um, he can play, and um, you know, Sedalia, Missouri,
0: good lord, home um, of. 7 Eleven, maybe? maybe. Yeah, maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't right. know
1: what's there other than State Fair, but that's where he's going to play ball and, and he'll. And I think he's academically qualified, so hopefully he can come out of there and, and get himself into a good situation because he needs to be play, playing college basketball somewhere.
0: I bet we are the only podcast in America talking about Zagaya Webster right I now. I would almost guarantee it. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but
1: when he winds up, for some major college in two or three years you can right. say
0: that you talked about himself so. right, right, right you know I was thinking when you were just talking So when we were at the Tennessee and we've talked about this before I was just a young ass and I was super cocky and you know there's no secret about it and I've talked about it before and I feel like one thing I did not appreciate I'm being serious about this I always say this to younger writers now. I came in and I would see different writers and I'd be like I'm better than it. you know I'm better than it. I'm better than, I'm better than I can do it blah blah blah. And it's all such nonsense because you realize like so much of this job is forming relationships, being able to report, knowing the colleges, knowing that state fair community college exists, you know, calling the coach, you know, like I used to think reporting, I really did. I used to think it was all about like you can write a really swift lead with great words and over adjective and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like you learn over time that like what you do, is a million times more impressive than some kid who comes along and just like can write a quick lead. You know, like it just seems like your whole career is based upon building relationships, providing information, doing it well, being smart about it, knowing what's important, what's not important. It just seems like over the years you've really sort of just kind of mastered something that I never appreciated until I got older. I need to be older to appreciate it. Well, and,
1: and you know, I think that's sometimes that's just the way it goes. I think you have to be older to appreciate some things. I I, I think that, you know, as you get older, you realize that it's more about the relationships than, than a lot of other things. And and when people know you and feel like they can trust you, they'll say things to you that they wouldn't say. Right. Otherwise. And, and you know, that's where you get your stories. Right. I think. You know, I did a story um, a couple of weeks ago. We had a young man in our one of our fringe schools, and we kind of expanded our fringe for this. Mm-hmm. But kid um, was drafted by the San Diego Padres, seventh overall, Ryan Weathers from Loretto High School. That's not really in our coverage right. area. You made it your coverage area. We made it yeah. our coverage like area. Like how far out is it from
0: your coverage area? Would you yes. say?
1: Okay, Loretto is in southern Lawrence County. Uh-huh. We sell papers in Lawrence County, but we don't necessarily sell them that far down. Eh. We cover, you know, Summertown in northern Lawrence County. In between is Lawrence County High School in Lawrenceburg. Uh-huh. So that's a technicality. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. <laughs> right. But and and I wasn't going to pass up an opportunity to do a story on the number seven draft. Right? Yeah. But um, you know, some of the some of the major metropolitan dailies had an article on him getting drafted. And rightfully so. Right. Um, somebody did the homework to figure out that he was the highest-drafted Tennessee high school baseball player since 1972. Wow. When somebody out of Memphis was drafted fifth overall. Wow. So, they were the only two. That, that guy out of Memphis and Ryan Weathers were the only two top ten draft picks out of a Tennessee high school. You know, other guys. Would, they were singing like
0: R.A. Dickey and guys like that, yeah, but they were in college. Right. From
1: college, right. So, um, you know, and my thing is you may not be able to be first with everything, but you can be more thorough. Mm. You can be better. You know, you can have a little bit more depth, that kind of thing. And And so that's kind of – what I've prided myself on is trying to be thorough, and that goes back to the relationships, knowing who you're dealing with, that kind of thing.
0: Interesting. Do you do you feel like um, there's still a place as newspapers? You know, like the like I went to the Tennessee website this morning. It's a night. It's a nightmare. You can't. It's a night. I tried printing out a story. It took me a, a, an hour, and it didn't print out well. It's it,
1: it's so t- that that website, and you know, I hesitate even now, to say a lot that may sound negative about the Tennesseans just because there is a faction that we consider to be sour grapes. And so I try not to come off that way. That's it. their website is awful to navigate.
0: And you would think like if that is the future where we're going, and the future is now obviously, it's a one thing. If you're going to get one thing right right yeah, now, well, it mean, should be your website.
1: If, if digital is what you're going to concentrate on, then yeah. you need to do it well. It's and crazy. it needs to be as easily navigated as possible because if people decide, if people come to it and they can't find what they're looking for, they're going to go somewhere else. And if they do that three or four times, they're going to stop coming. Right. So like you said, that's the, if that's the one thing you're going to focus on, you want to get it right. Right.
0: Wait. So I was going to ask. So you, writing for a smaller newspaper mm-hmm. in a smaller community, do you feel like there is still a? Do you still see? Do you still see a desire for news and for news in print? You know, are people buying the print newspaper? I, way, do. Yeah? I do. I do. I I think I see it particularly in that community
1: because it's a the demographics of that community are a bit older, mm-hmm. and, and I think older demographics trend toward the print edition because I think that there is there are a number of people who actually want to hold it in their hand and open it up and they don't want to be on a tablet scrolling up and down and dealing with the pop-up ads and that kind of thing I think that I think that a print product, is in demand in a number of demographics, some of which I'm not sure the industry necessarily realizes.
0: Right. You know what I think is cool? I've thought about this a lot. Like, you have something I, I have minimally, but, but you have in full. It's like you've been covering local sports of different degrees for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like when I went to SI and you write a profile about Gary Sheffield, just an example, or Sean Green, whoever, like maybe they read it, maybe they don't. They certainly don't cut it out. It's one of a gazillion profiles like this story about Jakiya Webster, someone, Mother Webster, Father Webster, cut that thing out, put it in a scrapbook or put it in a frame. And I have to think, I don't know if you ever think about this or if you've ever walked in homes and literally seen your work in scrapbooks, but there are probably, fat. I mean, I'm, I don't think I'm exaggerating. Hundreds to thousands of Maurice Patton bylined articles, framed, <laughs> scrapbooked, <laughs> scrapbooked, clipped out, and sent to grandma living in you know wherever <laughs> Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Like, like no, that has sorry, to be an amazing. That's an insanely powerful that way. As someone's like I'm not, that. I mean, serious about this. A hundred years from now, someone's great grand grandson is going to be going through a scrapbook that they find in the attic, and it's going to be an article you wrote about the time they played for Prentice Hall High School back. You know what I mean, like. That's insane you know when you think about that that's pretty cool i ran
1: into a situation like that actually over the christmas holidays i covered a basketball tournament in Centerville. Um, hickman county and home Saturday.
0: mike smithson actually oh. whoa former texas Good ranger time. very nice yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 he but is the I, athletics director down right. there now wow it, so i'm such a geek i can tell you he came up with the twins and was traded to the rangers and i think the gary ward deal what can I tell you? you yeah, I need a license. Yeah, yeah all right, go awesome. ahead. That's <laughs> awesome. No, um, With John Butcher. Yeah, so go ahead.
1: Hickman County won the um, Girl State Basketball Championship in, like, 94 in yeah. AA. Um, so I'm walking along some hall down there, and they've got some newspaper clippings up and framed, and, and my byline was on one of them. That's so um, great. Yeah, it's... um. It's it's really cool. I I have kids. Well, they're not kids now, but I'll have people come up to me and say, you did an article on me back in X, that kind of thing. Um, I I was out at a function um, this weekend and I had a retired coach come up to me and um, said, you don't remember me. And I call him by name. Wow. You know, that kind of thing. But it's it's cool. And and it's it's not why you do it, but it's a nice little byproduct of what you do to have that kind of impact on on people. And and particularly like you say at the high school level, it's an yeah. impact that you don't necessarily have at the collegiate or the professional level. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah.
0: Well, I'm uh, I'm really glad we got to do this, and I I can officially apologize in person for being a little shit back in 1996 or 94 but um you know
1: we were all little shits at, <laughs> at, at a certain age and and you know most of us grow out of it right. obviously did and, and so but um you know i'm glad we got to catch up yeah because like i said i don't know that i don't know that i've seen you since i don't you. think so yeah, 1996 I mean, we've been in touch but yeah. i've not actually seen you and um we both you, look exactly the same yeah, go exactly. <laughs> uh, but um Obviously, you're doing a lot of great stuff, and, and I'm, I'm glad you were able to get to town and, and make that walk.
0: I want to thank today's guest, Maurice Patton, for joining me on Two Riders and Yang. You can follow Mo on Twitter at MoPatton underscore sports. And read his stuff in the Columbia Daily Herald. This podcast is sponsored by 503 Sports, kings of the throwback sports merchandise. You can visit the website at 503-sports.com. Remember, my next book, A Look Back at the USFL, titled Football for a Buck, drops in September and is available for pre-order now. One can listen to Two Riders Singing Yang on Apple Music and Google Play, and reviews are really appreciated. Music by the great MC White Owl. Thanks again for joining me, and remember, keep writing.